today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Tell me, how do we and why do we remember them? For all the work that they did with Paul? For all they contributed? No. We remember them because of the conflict they have. The only reason their name is in that Bible, in the scriptures, is because of the conflict. How will people remember you? How will they remember me? How will they... Those people never got along. Always complained. Always had something to gripe. You don't want to be remembered that way, do you? Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. Changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. When the Apostle Paul wrote his letter to the Philippian church, he took time to address a known conflict between two active women in the church. Paul implored both sisters in the Lord to be united in fellowship so as to not give the enemy any more of a foothold. In today's message, Pastor Ed points out that the sisters are not remembered for their service in the Lord, but they're remembered for their conflict. Pastor Ed then urges us to live at peace with each other so that we will not leave a divisive legacy. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message, The Stance That Guards Harmony. Building in faith. If you take care of things when they're small, they tend not to grow to become large. Just picture with me Paul's words to this Colossian church. Now, he uses a military term. When he says, stand firm, stand firm, it's a military term. You're in a spiritual army, and you're fighting the enemy, Satan, not one another. In Philippians 1.27, it reads, Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. One man, one spirit, one faith, unity, stand firm together. The enemy is on the outside, not on the inside. It's not one another. And here you have an example of Battle-weary people turning on one another. And it's beginning in the church of Philippi. It's a spiritual church. It's a wonderful church. Some people wind up just fighting the wrong battles. Well, I like hymns. Well, I like choruses. Well, I like short sermons. Well, I like long sermons. Well, I like topical preaching. I like expositional preaching. Well, I like him and I like her. And on and on and on it goes. That's the enemy. And people wind up creating discord. It happens in the church. You know what people do? Hand grenades. They do. They walk on. Let me tell you about her. You think she's so spiritual? They tell. And then they said, let's pray about it. (laughs) And what they do is they throw hand grenades, assassinating other people's character. Real leaders 
I'm going to underline this. Real leaders don't pull down other leaders. If you are, you're not standing firm. Where are you standing? You're standing in the flesh. Paul says, stand in the Lord. When you stand in the flesh, you battle in the flesh. When you stand in the Lord, you battle in the spirit. And that's what Paul is encouraging because there's two very good people, two very good women, and they're at odds with each other. So he gives us the exhortation, the stance that guards harmony. It's in the Lord. I recognize I'm a citizen of heaven. I recognize what my spiritual battle is. It's not other Christians. It's Satan. It's the powers of wickedness. Here's a bit of advice. Write it in your Bible. Open up your Bible. Put it down in the front or the back. You don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. (laughs) You don't. Walk away. Avoid it. So Paul is saying, make sure that you have the right stance. The second thing is the efforts that sustain harmony. Now, parents, please, please, if you're looking for a biblical name for your daughters, don't give them these names. (laughs) Yudia and Syntyche. Well, these are two good ladies. And Paul is going to make a personal appeal to them. Paul is going to speak to them to try to bring harmony. And, uh, you know, our fallen nature, the sinful nature that we have, it tends to cause us to fight with one another. Relationships tend to break down. I mean, look at Adam and Eve. They are separated from God because of sin. Cain and Abel in the very beginning, brothers, and they're fighting and they're, they're separated. Sin is that way. And you have to maintain the unity of the family of God. It's something that you have to work at. And it's one of the hardest jobs pastorally that leadership has to do. Maintaining the unity of the, of the body. Sometimes Christians are like porcupines. You know, up in the Canadian winter there, it's cold, and these two porcupines tried to get close together. Every time they came close together, they would prick one another. And so they moved apart, and then they would come back together again because they wanted to keep warm, and then they would, again, pinch one another. And uh, that's sometimes the way Christians are. They try and come close, and then there's friction, there's problem, and they go apart. Then again, they come close, and then something else happens. Well, Paul the Apostle is saying... You have to work at producing unity. And there's an appeal that advances unity. There's an appeal. You see, I plead with Yudia. I plead with Sintika. I plead with them. Paul the Apostle personally appeals to them. He knows that these two good women, and they're good women, they contended with Paul They were involved in the founding of the church. They both had their name in the book of life. 
You know, sometimes we want to demonize other Christians who disagree with us. Now, notice it says, agree with each other in the Lord. Now, I don't know what they had a conflict over. Uh, Maybe it was a philosophy of ministry. Maybe it was how to run different things in the church. Both of them wanted to do the right thing, but there was somehow a conflict that came. And this conflict began to stir. Jesus knew it would happen. And in Matthew chapter 18, he says this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. If he does not listen, then take two others along with you. And, and on the, uh, Jesus counsels us. He said, listen, you could take it to the church body, but go and talk to them. You know what we do? This is how it happens. Do you know what she said to me? Yeah. She should have never said that. Yeah. Do you know what she said? Let me, would you pray with me? Oh, yeah, yeah. Nobody bothers to ask, did you go and talk to them? Did you go and try and make it right? Oh, let's go and talk to them. No, 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 I don't want to talk to them now. So you tell 20 other people. You get on the phone and you tell your side of the story. You know, it's like when people go to counseling sometimes. They go into the counseling room and the counselor gives them the suggestions. And then after a while, they stop coming and you say, what happened? Well, didn't help me. What do you mean? They share the scripture with you. Yeah, share the scripture with me. But I didn't like that. No, no, it's, uh, it's the other person's fault. Uh, they wanted me to change. What happens sometimes is we get into these conflicts and we don't follow biblical advice. Instead of going and working things out and talking to people. You know, it's a terrible thing when people have clashes with one another and they bury those things now i mean you don't have to say everything you feel please (laughs) you'd have no friends if you did that (laughs) but what happens is you you have these conflicts and you go to somebody and what are the spiritual leaders supposed to do tell my yoke fellow paul advances uh, this appeal for unity, the appeal to advance unity. He says, tell my yoke fellow. We don't know who that was. It could have been Luke. It uh, could have been uh, some other leader in the church. It could have been the pastor. But sometimes you need an arbitrator. You need someone who's not emotionally involved to come in and, and help navigate through that. How many church splits how many differences would be resolved if we follow what the scripture says? We have to guard the unity of the church. It's of utmost importance. It's in the Bible. All of chapter 4 in Ephesians 4, where a good part of it is devoted to unity. Now, watch what happens. The next point. The mindset that advances unity. Notice what he says. Be of the same mind in the Lord. That triggers off something in all of their minds. When he says, be of the same mind in the Lord, immediately their minds would go back to chapter 2, 
where the same phraseology, the same words are used. Let me read to you. We'll put up the verses on the screen. In Philippians 2, 2 to 5, it's the New King James. Fill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then Paul the Apostle goes into one of the great explanations of the humility of Christ. The kenosis chapter, where Jesus humbles himself and takes the form of a man and dies on the cross and suffers for us. This great theological truth has bearing on how I live out my life in the church. That's what Paul is saying. He says, being like-minded. Now, get the picture with me for a moment. Have you ever had the experience, you're sitting in the church, the preacher is preaching, and you feel like, He's talking to me. He has me in mind. Now, could you picture these two women, Yudia and Sintika, sitting there, and Paul says, says, be like-minded, be humble, consider the other. The white heat, and that's what it is, the white heat of conviction of the Holy Spirit is just boring away at their hearts and they feel it. Now, have you ever felt that? I mean, I have. I felt like, oh, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to me. You got my name on this message. Now imagine the preacher stops and then he calls you out by name. Oh, man. Well, that's what happens here. Yudia. Syntyche, hello, how are you listening? (laughs) You know, God wants us to work hard at unity. He wants us to guard the unity and to advance it, to be advocates, to bring the body of Christ together. It's the work of the enemy to divide people. The enemy will put thoughts in your mind and put motives in your thinking concerning another Christian. Now, these two women, when they get to heaven, they're going to forget any argument. But tell me, how do we and why do we remember them? For all the work that they did with Paul? For all they contributed? No, we remember them because of the conflict they have. The only reason their name is in that Bible, in the scriptures, is because of the conflict. How will people remember you? How will they remember me? How will they? Those people never got along. Always complained. Always had something to gripe. You don't want to be remembered that way, do you? That's... These two women are being remembered this way. Everything else is being forgot. All the good things that they did. Just simply, and this is what's being recalled. Now, I I could imagine that in the church, people developed sides. And the issues began to grow. 
Someone has said forgiveness, the freedom to be at peace within our own skins, and to be glad in each other's presence. When we have an unforgiving heart and hold things, you can't be glad in another person's presence. You can't just be transparent. I mean, if you have a conscience, you can't. Someone has said, an apology is a good way to have the last word. (laughs) Good advice. Good advice. Now, I'm going to cover this last point and fly through it. But the attitude that promotes harmony. The attitudes that promote harmony. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. What's our disposition? Some people are a walking civil war. I mean, they're looking for a fight. They're looking to get in a brawl. They're just looking to argue about something. Those people generally are not people who are glad. That's why Paul says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, I say again, rejoice. A cheerful disposition. When a person is rejoicing in the Lord and happy in the Lord, the problems and strifes are often like water on a duck's back. They just roll off. When a person has a grumbling and complaining spirit, anything and everything bothers them. And so Paul the Apostle, he would say again and again, rejoice in the Lord. And he went through difficult circumstances. He went through hard times. He walked through difficult places. People who live in the constant mode of anger have very short fuses. They're set off like that. I think what happens is the enemy gets in their heads. And then gets into their hearts. And then you hear what they say. So a cheerful disposition. And then, finally, a gentle disposition. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. You've got to handle people with gentleness. Some people, I've arrived. You know, I'm spiritually mature. And so they look down on everybody else. Oh, look at her. Look at him. Look at the other one. And, and they said, come on, get with it. Well, was God patient with you? Wasn't there a time that you were a new Christian? And then some people are patient with some people, but not patient with others. Hey, they got their favorites. Let me pause, rewind that for a moment. Are we sometimes patient with some people and their flaws and faults, but some other flaws and faults we have no tolerance for? He says, be gentle. Put away the boxing gloves. The only one that we're to fight is the enemy. Satan. I'm going to close the sermon with a story that was given to a preacher. It was written by a woman who was taking her children out for dinner. 
And she said her six-year-old son was asked to pray. And he said, God is good. God is great. Thank you for the food. And I thank you even more if mommy would buy us ice cream and liberty and justice for all. Amen. (laughs) Now, just what happened here happened there. People around began to laugh. But there was one woman who said it loud enough that people could hear That's what's wrong with America. That's what's wrong with this country. Children should be taught how to pray. And the little boy burst into tears. And the mother said, you know, as the boy was crying, he he said, Mommy, did I pray wrong? And she held him and comforted him. And she she was saying, no, no. Uh, You know, that's all right. And then an older gentleman came by the table. And he winked at the boy and he said, I happen to know that God thought that was a great prayer. Really, my son asked? Cross my heart. Then in a theatrical whisper, indicating the woman whose remarks started the whole thing. Too bad she never asked God for ice cream. A little ice cream is good for the soul sometimes. (laughs) Well, at the end of the dinner... Mom bought all the children ice cream, and her little boy looked at ice cream, just looked at it, and then he did something she said she would never forget. She said, he picked up his Sunday Without a word, he walked over and then placed it in front of the woman. With a big smile, he told her, here, This is for you, ice cream. It's good for the soul sometimes, and my soul is good already. (laughs) A gentle disposition. You know, it's so hard to fight against the enemy if you're fighting against your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's so hard to deal with the situations that you find in the world that if when you come into the house of the Lord, you're just weighed down with internal battles. Pray along with me and work along with me to protect the unity of the church because in doing that, we protect ourselves untold hundreds and hundreds of people. We don't always have to disagree on everything, but we don't have to be disagreeable. Paul spoke to a spiritually mature church. He spoke to a church that he loved deeply. But it was like any church. There are times that splinters, if they're not dealt with quickly, can become splits. Whether it's in your home, in your family, whether it's here in the church, make it your objective to build unity. And the Holy Spirit has spoken. This message is more than just a preacher standing giving you his words. It's a prophetic word to the church. 
We're so glad you've joined us again today for Building in Faith for Dr. Ed Jones' teachings from the book of Philippians. Even though Paul wrote this book while in prison, the joy of the Lord fills every word. Paul knew that his imprisonment was being used for God's glory and the spread of the gospel. When you take a look at the hardships in your own life, can you see how God is working them for your good and His glory? When you're walking through the hard times, soaking yourself in the words of this book can bring a new perspective and transform your thinking. Whatever season of life you're in, we aren't meant to do it alone. We encourage you to find a community of believers to journey with. This family of faith will be able to offer you the support you need in any situation you face. If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area, we'd love to see you at Faith Assembly. Weekend services are 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Sunday. And there's a Wednesday evening Bible study at 7 p.m. Find out more about Faith Assembly by visiting our website at buildinginfaithradio.com. You can also look us up on Facebook. Just search for Faith AG2. We'd also love to answer any questions you may have, so give us a call at 845-462-5955. Once again, that's 845-462-5955. That's all we have time for on today's edition. Join us again as we continue in Philippians next time on Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Your word restores.